Hey everybody, Bob Olson here with Afterlife TV. You can find us at afterlifetv.com. This is where we talk about life after death and answer the meaningful questions around that subject. Today we have a very special episode. This is not a bite-sized episode. This is an interview like so many of you have been asking me to do again. And we have a guest who has been here before. You have been asking me to have him back, and here he is. His name is Paul Selig. Welcome, Paul. Thank you, Bob. So happy to have you here. Glad to be here. Well, one of the things we want to do is celebrate Paul's new book, The Book of Truth. If you've read any of his books, you know what they are like. If you have never read one of his books, then you need to listen to this interview, and I am sure that by the time you finish, you are going to be ordering one of his books. I love all of them. And I always say, look, you can start with any one of them, but go with the newest one <laughs> and then work your way backwards. Now, I just announced to our Facebook audience that we were going to have you on and mm -hmm. I invited some people to leave questions. A few people said, I just went and bought all of his books. That's oh, pretty cool, right? Very cool. Yeah, it's nice. Do you think, <clears throat> I know that one of the questions really was, you know, do I have to read all the other books before I read the newest one? What's your answer to that? No, you don't have to. The guides that I work with that dictate the books are really teaching in what they describe as a one-room schoolhouse. So they're meeting everybody where they are, and they do make a real point, I think, of bringing everybody together to bring them to the teachings so that you don't have to have read all the prior texts to embark upon a new one. Let's just talk about your books for a moment. Uh, I think it's important to someone who is new, the old elevator speech, you know, gee, Paul, what do you do for a living? You know, I'm a writer. What do you write about? How would you even answer that question in an elevator? <laughs> you know, probably if somebody asked me in an elevator, they wouldn't want to hear the answer. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Oh, let's you know, pretend we're not in an elevator. What I, what I tell people when I'm asked now is that I'm a conscious channel. And I take dictation from guides that deliver entire books through me that don't require any editing and that the books themselves are the unedited transcripts of oral teachings, of recordings um, that are given over usually a period of weeks. 30 days is usually as long as it takes to deliver a book. So I describe myself as a conscious channel because I'm present for the work. I'm not asleep like Edgar Casey was. I'm literally whispering the words that come to me as they come and repeating them for the listener. And I do seminars all around the world now where the guides are coming through to teach. So I'm a conscious channel who does these seminars and, and has a practice where hopefully I help people with my empathic work. They also call me a medium for the living, which is an odd ability that I seem to have that seems to have come in addition to the channeling, although they work together in some ways. I like that description, medium for the living. Unlike a psychic, we'll say, who does predictions or helps people with direction in their life, or a medium who communicates with loved ones, deceased loved ones in the spirit, how would you define a channel? Well, when I'm channeling, I'm literally taking dictation. So there's no interpretation involved in channeling at all. I'm a radio. And when I'm working with my guides, I'm playing their station and their broadcast. I'm literally saying exactly what I hear as I hear it in sequence. When I work psychically or empathically in my practice, I don't call that channeling, um, but I'm still a radio. So if you come to me 
And I, the first thing I'll do is tune into you, usually by your name, which is your coordinate for me, the radio station that I tune into, and I'll essentially become you. I'll step into you. I'll feel what it is to be as you and then start to hear what's really going on. You'll give me the information or my guides will give me the information. And if you're coming, say, because you're estranged from someone in your life and you give me that person's name, I can step into them as well. And I actually may begin to resemble them. I'll take on their physicality and their gestures and their their facial expressions and hear them. So I'm kind of, if you think about it sort of as a switchboard or as a radio that's operating between multiple stations, that's one way. The channeling is one bandwidth and one station, the living, and that includes people in comas and people who have lost the ability to speak or people with dementia. I'm still able to sort of access them in ways that have been you know, proven out or authenticated. We saw on a TV show called The Unexplained, not on anymore, but it was on, mm-hmm. and uh, I saw you do that for a young man who had cerebral palsy mm-hmm. and you basically became him. And, and I've seen you do this with other people. I went to one of your workshops and you've done it for me. One of the most fascinating experiences I've ever had, not just watching it. I mean, not just doing it myself or mm-hmm. you, when you were doing it for me, but watching it and, and seeing you do it with other people. But the one that you did on the unexplained was the first time I had ever seen you. I don't know other, of other people who are doing this. Uh, you're basically taking on their energy. I mean, another person might say you're actually getting inside their body and feeling what it's like to be them. Mm-hmm. What I love about the work of uh, when you do this with people, and I highly recommend anybody who wants to get a session with Paul, do this. Don't do this if you're a skeptic. I always say that to people. Don't do this if you're a skeptic and you're looking for evidence. Do this if you're... You've already done it. You've had the psychic readings. You've had the mediumship readings. You're like, what is next? What's what's new that I haven't tried? This is one of those experiences because one of the things that I've seen you do and you did for me was you were able to get to the core of whatever issue I might be dealing with, not just at that time, sometimes over a lifetime, mm-hmm. something I might have been working through my entire adulthood. Mm-hmm. And you are able to sort of almost narrow it down to like a motto, like a, 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 a phrase mm-hmm. that you keep repeating. Mm-hmm. And I love the simplicity of it. What does that feel like to you? And, and what do you think about it? Like when you, are you sometimes going, oh my God, yeah, that narrows down this person to a T and it's just like a phrase. Well, when I when I first tune into someone, it's a physical experience for me. And before I hear anything, I feel them and there's often corresponding gestures. So if somebody if I tune into somebody and immediately I'm pushing everything away or guarding my private parts or, you know, showing tears, I understand what's going on or what the issue is. And then usually language will come to support that. And it may well be a simple phrase like, stay away, stay away, stay away. Or it may be something like, I'm never going to understand, I'm never going to understand. And you work with whatever that is, and then you inquire. So the initial phrase for me in some ways is kind of like the key in the lock. And then you open it up, and then the reasoning for those things can come up. So once the client confirms the issue, which they usually will, like, yep, that's what's up, 
I'll go, well, where does this come from? And I'll ask my guides that. And they may say, well, ask them what happened when they were 13. Yeah. Or, you know, it's, you know, or there'll be some other way to understand it. So hopefully what we can do then is support the movement of the pattern itself that was created at one time. And a lot of those patterns seem to be sort of a misidentification of who we are that sort of created a lot of circumstances in our life that we don't really need. You know, they're really not helping us. But because we were told we were an idiot by our teacher in second grade and we think we're an idiot and our parents may have confirmed that, we walk around living a life in agreement to a level of shame or ill achievement or something else. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons why I say if you're skeptical and you're looking for evidence, go elsewhere. If you really want to do some deep work with yourself, then after you do that, Mm-hmm. And I know there's two ways you, you can work, you can get into that very quickly. One is, you know, just tell me what you're getting, Paul, mm-hmm. and then we'll start from there. The mm-hmm. other is, uh, you can ask a question that's been on your mind. A lot mm-hmm. of times it'll have to do with this, but it at least allows you in. You were telling me that this morning, right? But then turn it into a conversation. I'm saying this to you, the audience, you who, who's listening to this. If you want to get a reading with Paul, I recommend let him... Figure out what this core issue is and then let it become a conversation between you and Paul Mm -hmm. so you can really work through this Mm -hmm. issue. And you can. You can Mm -hmm. work through that issue in that one session. Mm -hmm. Ah. I've seen it. But the last thing that you said, it's like there's like a clearing that takes place. There's Mm -hmm. There's a change in the person's vibration. And that's what all of your books are about. Mm-hmm. And these books are authored by your guides, right? You call them your guides. You told mm-hmm. me this moment, why, why do you call them your guides? <laughs> They're called the guides because my ex, when my ex found out I could do this, used to say, ask the guides this, ask the guides <laughs> that. So then I call them the guides and now everybody calls them the guides and that's perfectly fine with me. I don't think they care. No, you know, it's, no. a, it's a nice title and it works. It is. It's beautiful. It's a collective. I mean, that's how I understand it. There are different, I don't see them normally. I've done some of that work, but I feel and I hear, and I'm very aware of the differences in vocabulary that come through when I work, although they're really working in a very common way and towards a common goal when they're bringing through these teachings. Now, one of the things that I really love about your book, so Mm -hmm. the guides authored these books. Mm -hmm. You say you basically took dictation as Mm -hmm. the channel. Mm -hmm. The guides say... And I think in every book that just by reading this book, we can raise our vibration. Mm -hmm. But the words are really important. Can you explain that? Well, the guides say, you know, that the books are are operating on two different levels. They're the words on the page, which create a context for the teaching. So you have an intellectual understanding of what's going on and you you can track it and you can apply it. But they say that the real teaching is the energy that's informing the books and informing the language. And they work with attunements through language um, in all of the books. And the attunements, they say, are basically encoding the field, the energetic field, to support change. So when you work with these things, and you can call them, I call them claims of truth. That's what the guides call them. They say when something is true, it is always true. And when you claim these things, they're always true, even if your small self or personality can't agree to it. There's an aspect of you that knows the truth of this, and that is the part of you that can speak or intone them 
through the intonation, you actually align your field. And there's something very palpable that happens for many people energetically as they do this. So when you read the reviews on Amazon, you hear people say things like, you know, I'm reading the book and my body's vibrating. I'm reading the book and I'm seeing auras. And so all of this phenomena seems to come in support of the work they're doing to, to help us transform. And there's a lot of that. I, I, I recommend, you know, you're interested in this book, The Book of Truth by Paul Selig. Check out the reviews. Uh, it says it all. And I've had the same experience that so many of those people write hmm. about in those reviews. You know, it reminds me, you know, I do, I work with models. Everybody knows that I've been working with models uh, since 2005 and working with mantras. And when I start, first started working with Sanskrit mantras, you know, the, there's teachings about the, the power of saying those words out loud, even, you know, especially mm -hmm. you can say them to yourself quietly, silently, but then to say them out loud, there's a vibration that is a thing, right? The words are things and, and it has its own energetic power to it. And I think just by reading this, Melissa read uh, most of your books to me mm -hmm. and that had a special quality to yeah. it. And then I actually, the book of truth, I downloaded the audiobook. What I loved about that was it's your voice. Yeah. And, and so many people love to hear the author's voice, but I think what's most important about your audiobook is that you're now reading what the guides wrote and you know, at least you have a much better sense than anybody else as to where to emphasize words and where mm -hmm. not to and, and, and how to work with saying it out loud. Yeah, I mean, if you ever if you ever see me channel live or you look at the videos that are out there of me channeling, I'm whispering and repeating and whispering like it's a mile a minute sometimes. <laughs> I'm just trying to keep up with the dictation. Yeah. And then there's a very patient woman who then transcribes these things. And then that transcription becomes the book that I go into the recording studio to read. So I'm actually back to speaking it aloud, but without... The repetition. So I do know the intention of the guides. I understand the cadence and the way that they emphasize their words. So, and I'm sure they're working with me as this is happening, you know, we're all in it together. So, so yeah, I'm glad that you're finding them effective. It's, it's, it's a lot easier for some people than hearing the initial delivery, which can be a little startling for some people for the first time. And what I've learned really more recently, I, I get whole, all new stuff, like new stuff by yeah. listening to it. Yeah. And I bet if you were to go back to the printed volume and looked at it again, you might be surprised that the same thing would happen. You know, yeah. people have said this, and I've heard it a lot, that people return to these books and every time they're having a completely different experience of the teaching. And the guides actually said as they were dictating, I think it might have been this book or the, or the one prior, they said, you know, as you're reading the book, if you have a question, ask the question of us. And we will do our best to answer it in the book, because as we're dictating the book through Paul, we're also with you as you're engaging with the book. We're working outside of time. So it's kind of funny that people say, you know, I'm reading the book, and I don't know that this was there the last time I read it, but I asked a question on page two, and I turned the page, and it was right there at the top of the page. So it's interesting that people are having these experiences, but if you think of this as sort of a, as a... I, as a collaboration that the reader's having with the authors of the book, not me, it perhaps makes more sense. I agree. And the Afterlife TV audience will know that. I and mean, we've talked so much about the spiritual dimension, mm -hmm. you know, not living in time or space in mm -hmm. the way that we know it. Now, this is all related to what we're talking about. 
the guys call this book, at least the book of truth I know, because I picked up on it, was a vibratory oracle. It's all about what we're saying, right? Yeah. Yeah, they did use the word oracle, and I'm still trying to understand what they meant, except I think that you can be in an inquiry with the book and receive the answers that you require in your life. I mean, they're speaking about truth here, and they say what is true is always true, and that may mean moving beyond your investment or my investment in what I want to be true or my personal truth to something that's already existing in a higher way and giving us access to information at that level. Okay. When I think of all your books, I I think that the core message, for me at least, is that it keeps reminding me of my own divine connection, my own divine divine self. Yeah. And in the early works, you were talking a lot more. You still use it, but you were using the phrase Christ consciousness. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while to get over that. I actually then learned to love that phrase, understanding mm-hmm. what Christ really means. What does Christ really mean? Well, their definition of Christ, which is their own and the one that they've given in the books, is that the Christ is the aspect of the creator that seeks realization as who and what we are. So it's the seed of the divine that's implicit in everything and all of us and that it seeks to be realized. And by realized, they say realized and known means the same things. But to be expressed as this, to be expressed as the true self, they use the term Christed self. They also use interchangeably truth self, infinite self, divine self to mean the same thing. But they say it's in all of us, and its expression finally is the purpose of the text, to be realized at this level of awareness of who, and now they're saying what, which means in form, as this thing, this field, this vibration, this level of agreement or consciousness that is in accord with the true nature of our divinity. I remember uh, many years ago, probably the 90s, maybe even the 80s, it was a phrase that also caught my eye. Be still and know that I am God. Sure. Same co- concept, really. And to me, realize that I am connected with source, the universe, God, creative intelligence, mm-hmm. um, the divine. I really had to wrap my mind around that way back then. And mm-hmm. But still today, as I read your books, I still recognize this is still something that I need to work on. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love that you keep coming out with new books, because I get to... Each book is a new angle at that, right? Mm-hmm. It's also, I think, each book is a, is, is a progression in the teaching. And the very first book, which they dictated in 2009, was called I Am the Word. They, say, they said something was kind of radical, and I didn't understand it. They say that the Christ as man or humanity is an event that happens. And I thought, well, that sounds nice and theoretical, and I guess that means that you know we're all spiritual, and isn't that pretty? That's they're really talking about this as an event that happens, that manifestation at this level, and realization at this level is actually part of our heritage, or our inheritance that we can now begin to claim, and they're really supporting us, I think, in a rather sequential way. In doing this, the third book that they wrote was called The Book of Knowing and Worth. And what they were addressing there was this collective belief and this personal belief that we have that we're not even worthy of this. We're not even worthy of our 
relationship with the divine. Now, do I have this down? I don't think I do. I was raised an atheist, pretty much, Mm -hmm. and I'm still reeling from some of these teachings. And although I know that they're true, because, you know, there's a quote that's attributed to the woman who channeled A Course in Miracles, which I actually haven't read, and she said, I don't believe it, but I know it's true. And I completely agree with that feeling, like this stuff comes through, I can't deny it. Yeah. But they are talking about this is something that is happening, and not just in a pretty theoretical way. These aren't self-help books. These are really, I think, tools for manifestation and realization on an energetic level that is then going to transform our physical experience here in this world. Do you think a lot of it has to do with raising our vibration? Or yeah, I actually do. Yeah. You know, they talk about octaves, you know, and I mean, especially now in, in their most recent teachings over the last six months or so, they've begun to say things like, you know, a note exists on a piano, say middle C exists on a piano. You know the note C, it's played, but it also exists in, in a lower octave and in higher octaves, and in octaves that you can't even hear, that are well off the keyboard that you would normally play, that you could understand. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing, they're saying, is lifting us to begin to operate in a higher octave. And in that higher octave, we actually have to release the things that have been obscuring or preventing our ability to, to, to hold that level of frequency. And that's really what they're taking us through. What you just said there, it's like one of those, I just want to keep replaying to listen to, to so I can really absorb that and own it, mm-hmm. which is kind of what you're talking about. They talk about operating as truth. And w- yeah. what does it mean to operate as truth? Oh, I don't remember what they meant there. Yeah, okay. You know, I can try. Um, I can let them try to come through and then we're really in trouble. Oh, yeah. Um, to be as true. They're saying to be as true, to know who you are, to know who you are. To be as true. They're saying and to be in the expression of it is to be as truth, is to be as truth. And then you become a barometer for truth and all you witness and all you witness, all you see goes according to you. All you see goes into accord to you. You become a tuning fork. You become a tuning fork in your own awareness of who you are, in your own awareness of who you are to elevate what you see, to elevate what you see to its true nature, to its true nature, the true of all things. The true nature of all things is its divine self, is its divine self, and the manifestation of this, and the manifestation of this through realization, through realization and knowing, and knowing is what claims the world is what claims a new world, period. And they're saying, period. Well, for those of you who are, who are not familiar with Paul, now you you understand what it's like when he channels. He just, So he just channeled. He says it very quickly to himself as he's getting it. <laughs> I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. And then he repeats it for us. So the second version of it is so that we can hear it and understand it mm-hmm. better. And it takes a little bit for some people, I, uh, me being one of them, like I train my ear not to listen to the first one, I listen to the second mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of wisdom that comes through, not just uh, when you're getting a private reading with him or uh, when you're in one of his workshops, which you get a lot of that in your workshops, Mm -hmm. uh, but also when you're reading these books. Now, take that a step further then. And again, this is is really just in the first couple of chapters. Mm -hmm. Um, The issue, this is the guide saying, the issue you all have is that you replicate your history. Yeah. I loved that phrase, but... Can you explain that to the audience? I think so. I mean, you know, they say, you know, we're always dining out on yesterday's leftovers because (laughs) we expect to get what we just had. And so, you know, we have all of this history that we think is who we are. 
and we expect to see it every day, so we continue to reclaim it. So the idea of transformation, they say, comes at the cost of the old. So they've sort of worked with the phrase, behold, I make all things new, which is an old, which is an old teaching, you know. But what that really means is that the true self or the divine self isn't invested in the old history. So my small self has all of these names that he can call himself and all of these things that I can say aren't working in my life or whatever. And as I continue to invest in those things, I continue to claim them and I expect them to continue to be there. As I realize who I am in a higher way, the true self that I am and that you are and that anybody who's listening to this is, is unafraid. The divine self, they say, doesn't exist at the level of fear. So as we begin to align at that level, we stop recreating what we have always known and done in fear because it doesn't exist there. And this is the way the change begins to happen. I don't know if I'm making sense. Yeah, but... it makes perfect sense. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm glad you brought up the fear. If you hear yourself, tell me if this is right. If you hear yourself going, look, uh, I know I, I do this and it's, it's, not, it's not healthy, but my grandfather did it and my father did it and now I do it. It's like, so it's, it's almost, you say that and it's like, I, so I can't change. Yeah, but we have to look at where we do this on a collective level, too. So, I mean, one of the things the guides have said is, you know, you've always had war. You've had it for so long that you expect that you'll always have it. So you're always claiming it again, even though you know it's, even though you say it's not what you want. And until you can align to a level of consciousness or awareness where war is not possible, you're going to continue to claim what you've had. And it's, it's that simple. So we, we claim what we expect to claim because we've been taught to claim it. And if you look at religions and governments and all this stuff, there's nothing inherently wrong with, I think, a religion or a government, but they've all gotten kind of screwed up along the way. And the guides say, you know, everything that's been, well, this is what they say in the Book of Truth. They say, in truth, a lie cannot be held. And everything that's sort of been created in fear is going to need to be recreated in a higher way. And we're sort of seeing some of this play out now, if I understand it, where the things that we always thought would be there in the ways that we thought they would be seem to be teetering. And perhaps, I hope, something higher or newer or more truthful or more loving will be born in their places. That's certainly my hope. That's one of my favorite phrases. In truth, a lie cannot cannot be held. Mm -hmm. uh, you were telling me about that uh, as you were writing this book. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, oh, I don't know, there's something super powerful to me about that. And if you recognize what that really means, then I don't know, it, it kind of, it gives you hope and peace, especially when you're looking at those, that bigger picture. Yeah. Well, fear is a lie too. You yeah. know, that's what everybody says, you know, fear is the great liar. So as you align to truth, you stop agreeing to fear at this level and you stop creating from it. Speaking of fear, uh, the guys also say what we are most frightened of at our core, not them, this isn't mm -hmm. them, they're saying mm -hmm. what, you, what you are most frightened of at your core is that you are God in form. So again, we come back to that. And, uh, but interesting now, why are so many people afraid of that? Well, then I don't get to blame anybody else. Mm -hmm. Then I don't get to be a victim. Right. Then I don't get to say it always happens to me. Because then, I mean, this idea, 
you know, people say, well, you know, you create your own reality and you created this. I, I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to disagree with that teaching, but I think that there's, my guides talk, speak about it in, in a very different way. They say that you're in agreement to everything that you see, and that means energetic accord. So you're in agreement to everything in the room. Perhaps you 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 bought it or you put what you liked up on the walls or you perhaps it's just I agree that what's in the room is a chair and a desk and a wall. You agree and you're confirming your reality. So we're always, you know, con- confirming our reality and if we've confirmed a reality that's operating that is victimizing us, we're actually denying our inherent mastery, which is the ability to claim something new. Now, I don't think I'm being terribly clear here because it's a large teaching, but the guide said in the Book of Mastery, which was the, the, third, the fourth book, the first in this trilogy, they said, the true self cannot be persecuted. The divine self, that eternal self that you are, cannot be persecuted. Your ego can be, your personality can be, your bank account can be, your body can be. All of these things that you've identified through in your world can be transformed, but the essence or the divine self that you are cannot. And as you begin to realize at this level, then how you participate in your world, I think, is is radically different. I think it's about re-identification. Yeah. You know, while and it's we're here. while we're here. Yeah. So let me ask them and let's see if they want to say we'd like something. They're saying we would like to say something very different. So I have no idea where they're gonna go with this. What sort of things? We would like to say two things. Everything's even confirmed to you. Everything you see has been confirmed by you, your confirmation. See, your confirmation of what you see is what gives it names, is what gives it names. That is a table, that is a table, that is a chair, that is a chair, that is the house that I have lived in, that is the house that I have lived in. You're always confirming reality. You are always confirming a reality based on history known based on the history you have known, if everything you understand. If everything you understand that can be witnessed, that can be witnessed, can be witnessed in a way, can be witnessed in a new way, in a higher octave, in a higher octave, you stop confirming what you don't want, you stop confirming what you don't want, you don't realize, you don't realize you have the right to transform, you have the right to transform or realize who you are, or realize who you are outside of what you expect to be, outside of what you have been expected to be. You've expected to be fearful, you've expected to be fearful or damned or damned or unloved or unloved or unworthy or unworthy to confirm that reality. And you confirm that reality as a small self, as a small self, the divine as you, the divine as you knows who he is, knows who he is, seeks expression as you, seeks expression as you, and will do so, and will do so when you stop claiming that you're a victim, when you stop claiming that you are a victim of what you have known, of what you have known, period, 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 period. So perhaps that was more clear. It's very clear. Okay. But so much of it is one seeing seeing ourselves as the divine self, the other, and as the divine self, we take responsibility for yeah. what our life is like. I, I think if just go one step deeper than that, if I'm even trying to understand this, would be that not just taking responsibility for it, but if 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 I realized right mm-hmm. myself uh, more as as the divine being that I am, these things wouldn't even be in my life. So. I, I suppose. I mean, I, but you see, I think, and the guides have been clear about this, that everything that we encounter is an opportunity to learn. Everything, yeah. every engagement, every challenge. And if it's perceived in that way, then again, we're having a different relationship to our world and our life. I do believe that as we lift 
in accord in a higher way, we stop claiming the things that we've been taught to claim that may be causing us pain and harm. I mean, the guides say, you know, the true self doesn't care what anybody thinks of him or her. She's not invested. She doesn't seek a claim. She doesn't, you know, why? It doesn't make any sense. And so when you stop being attached to who you think you're supposed to be, which is usually based on who you were taught to be and what you think you must be in order to get what you want in the world, your relation to your world is, is, is innately transformed. It has to be. And then what you call to you energetically will be transformed as well. This is also from the Book of Truth. The realization of the truth of man and what he has wrought, what he has claimed, and what he would do with it if the small self continues to embellish the importance of his fears is just more of what we're saying, I, th- I think. Yeah. Yeah. I just love the, the line. So. It's a good line. I, didn't, I, for, I forget them because I hear them once. I mean, it's not like I, I labor over any writing here. Yeah. It's coming out of my mouth. And the rule is if it's coming out of my mouth in a book session, it's staying in the book. We can't yeah. edit out the clumsy phrases. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Let's just go back to uh, something that uh, is, I think, in all of the books. Interesting you added two words to this one. We'll talk about these three phrases that you say that you you ask the reader in this mm-hmm. they ask the reader to say i know who i am i know what i am i know how i serve we talk about this in the first interview that i did with paul mm-hmm. uh which is going to be underneath this video on afterlifetv.com but with this one that you say i know who i am in truth i know what i am in truth i know how i serve in truth with that the last book book of mastery mm-hmm. was more about the who, I know who I am. Mm-hmm. This book, the book of truth, is no, more about the what. I know exactly. what I am. Yeah. You know, if someone was new to this, why would they ask us to repeat those phrases to ourselves? Well, the guides say that they're claims of truth and their attunements, and they work with the field. So when the guides first brought through, I know who I am, I know what I am, I know how I serve, they said that that calls you into present time, which is the only time that you can know anything. Mm-hmm. So you didn't know yesterday, you're not going to know tomorrow, you can only know now. So that's one thing. Now the claim, I know who I am, is spoken, as they say, by the true self. The true self always knows who he is. It doesn't matter. I mean, the true self is going by the name Bob in this lifetime and has created a wonderful life for himself here. Um, But the true self knows who he is outside of all these things, and that's identity, I know what I am means in manifestation, the divine in manifestation, that eternal self in manifestation as what you are, which means embodied and in this physical experience that we're sharing. And how you serve, how any of us serve, they say, is the expression of the true self. Your your realization of yourself in the world is how you serve. Now, when when they brought through truth here, They speak of truth as a wave that's here now that is sort of reclaiming and reforming everything to be in agreement to it. And they say those things that are not in truth are essentially going to be reclaimed and, you know, remade in a higher way. I mean, the the image really was of flood and wind, you know, moving things. There's a lecture that they gave at a workshop in Richmond, Virginia, three days before the last election, maybe it was two days, called Great Change. And it's an amazing lecture because it's been fairly prophetic. 
about how things have played out. But they said, you know, your idea of choice has been, I will, would I prefer the milk or the cream? You know, and what's really happening, this is what, what you can expect now is what happens when the table that was holding the milk and the cream turns over. And there are a whole other choices that have to be made, not the expected ones. So when they talk about truth, they're actually talking about our alignment. And these claims of truth, they say, are aligning us in vibration. Now, imagine that you are a radio and you've only been playing the stations that you thought that you were allowed to play. What they're doing is they're attuning the radio that you are to play the higher broadcast. And each time you claim this, you're back to that radio station. Yeah. You understand? And as you get comfortable there, you stop playing the lower ones, which are causing you pain and shame and all those things you say you don't want because you know where you can go. And as you stay here, and this is my understanding, and you begin to create from this level, your life begins to shift. Okay, so then, you know, I want to say it was the Book of Mastery, but I might be wrong. Was it the Book of Mastery where you then introduced, I am here, I am here, I am here? Or that was here? the Book of Mastery, yeah. The yeah. Book of Mastery, I am here, I am here, I am here. And they say that's the claim of the true self. In its purview, that's their word, the purview. And the purview, which means, I said, what, I don't know what the definition of purview is actually. I assume it's like the, the, um, the jurisdiction of the true self, they say, is everything that can be seen or imagined or known. So the true self, essentially, this is, this is the example that was used, I think. So I think I said to them, so if there's a book on a table in Paris, I'm in relation to that book in Paris. They say, yes, the moment you know about the book on the table in Paris, the consciousness that you have is actually informing that thing. Now, the consciousness that you have, they say, is informing everything you see. And the meaning that you've been taught to give everything is what you're endowing it with. So you're reinforcing evil, or what you think of as evil or terrible, by these claims that you make. And essentially, you're tying yourself to the things you say you don't want. Yeah. One of their simplest teachings has been, you can't be the light and hold another in darkness. It's just you can't do it. I mean, it's hypocrisy. You can understand that. But they also say, you know, what you damn pretty much damns you back. So what I put in darkness calls me to that darkness. There's an exercise they do in the Book of Mastery where they say, where they ask people to enter a cave as they're walking up a mountain. And they say, in that cave is the one person you never want to see again as long as you live. And your job is to escort that person out of the cave because essentially they put you in, you know, you put them in there, but they're keeping you there as well by that action. So by releasing them, you're releasing yourself from the thing you say you don't want. Forgiveness, right? That is forgiveness. Yeah, but it's not about forgiving the other. It's about releasing yourself for what you've created. It's about, you know, the guys say all of this interpersonal stuff is usually answered by the idea you've got to forgive somebody else for not being who you wanted them to be. That's usually the big problem. Somebody did what you didn't want. <laughs> wow. Forgive them for not being who you wanted them to be. Then they're off the hook, and then I'm off the hook as well. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's, that's great. They talk about those two truths. Mm. And when I was writing this down, you know, there's the eternal truth. Mm -hmm. What do you call the other truth? 
I think personal truth. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I know where you're going with the teaching. They say what is true is always true. And I've, I've heard people say, well, that's not my truth, but that's idea that truth is subjective. Yeah. So it's not my truth that, you know, he's a terrible person or she's a this or they're a that or whatever it is. So that's all opinion. Yeah. Now, the idea, what the guides say is when something is true, it's always true. It was true a million years ago. It'll still be true. You know, so what might an example of this be? Um, it's always true that you and I at this moment, in this time, in this whatever reality we want to call this, are having this conversation now. It's not always true that we're having a conversation. Do you understand? But it's yeah. always true that this is so in this moment. Right. So, but it's not always true that blondes have more fun, and it's not always true that he's the best-looking guy in the room, and it's not always true that money's going to solve all your problems. Those are subjective those beliefs, are so they're not true. Oh, my God. Yeah, those are good. Okay. Good examples. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's just get my funny bone there. You know, it's so interesting. I, I, I wonder uh, what you think about this, maybe what the guys think about this. And, I, and I'm not going to quote, we have a, fr a, a mutual friend, Natalie Sudman, and in mm -hmm. one of the interviews I did with her, she was talking about the potential, the possibility that there might be many Natalies out there. And we were talking mm -hmm. about choice. Yeah. Talking about when she makes a choice, for instance, it sends her down a trajectory. Yeah. She, she, she used that word, I think, trajectory. Uh -huh. Sends her in a certain direction, but that she could have made a bunch of other choices. Mm -hmm. And... Mm -hmm. And if she had made a different choice, she ponders with the possibility that there might be a Natalie that exists on some dimension somewhere. And, and again, this is me paraphrasing. Yeah. Accurate. How does that work with all of this? I hear that it's accurate. The true self is eternal no matter what form it's taken. They're saying the true self is eternal no matter what form it's taken. I know itself. However, it might know itself. You know yourself as a five-year-old. You know yourself as a five-year-old. You are still the true self. You are still the true self. The geriatric is still the true self. The geriatric is still the true self. They're always in some way. They are always in existence in some way. They're aspects of you. They are aspects of you that have taken form, that have taken form and realized in flesh and been realized in flesh. The idea of the idea of multiple realities or timelines is also accurate. Is also accurate. You're these things, but your understanding of these things, actually limited by science, is actually limited by science. What you believe can be so, and what you believe can be so. Once you understand what can be so, once you understand what can be so, you can claim very different things. You can claim very different things and have a realization of them, and have a realization of them. We are not denying. We are not denying existing in different places. That you can be existing different places that once. In fact, you are. In fact, you are, but there are aspects of you. But there are aspects of you that have never taken form, that have never taken form, that are still present, that are still present, singing along with you, and singing along with you as you go about your day, as you go about your day, period, period, period. Wow. Beautiful. And, and that answers my question. I'm wondering, when you think of that, when you th think of the possibility, okay, I made this choice, but yeah. I worry that I maybe should have made that other choice. Does it give you a sense of well, peace of mind that the Paul that made that choice exists too. So I couldn't have made a wrong choice. No, I don't think that way. I have enough hard. I have a hard enough time managing one life, <laughs> let alone multiple no. ones. And now I'm hearing all these voices no. that are dictating whole books. I, I don't want it to get any rougher than that, no, truthfully. Right. No. Well, yeah. And that's our friend Natalie. I mean, she yeah. can think in these terms. She's amazing. She pon she ponders new possibilities. 
It's one of the things. I well, we're, we're fans of each other's work because I have a hard time reading the books that have come through me because they've come through me. But I can read Natalie's work and confirm it makes perfect sense. Yeah. And she sort of says the same thing. So yeah. we we're, we're fortunate that we we became friends so we can actually learn something, I think. Right, right, yeah. right. Her book, Application of Impossible Things. Well, in the Book of Truth, you, or I should say the guides, allowed questions from workshop attendees yeah so a, a lot of a lot of what's in this book uh you would channel during workshops yes another great reason to go to one of your workshops uh-huh. is, you know the stuff that we learn might be in one of your future books one of the questions that was asked was uh it's kind of a kind of a question kind of a statement i have trouble trusting my life as it unfolds and i want to stay in my truth but i'm afraid i'm off from it so far it scares me. Kind of goes along with what we were just saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And their answer was, the magic of who she is is actually much stronger than anything she could believe about herself to the contrary. Exactly. Like, another beautiful statement. Right well, there. I remember that. I mean, it was that was, I think, part of a live stream. You know, I do these things on Wednesdays, and they take questions. And once in a while, the guides will say, if they're, if they're in the process of dictating a book, they'll say, and this is in the book. And this is, you know, it's a part of a chapter. But I remember the person who who asked that, and she was she was very sweet, and I I think the guides were being very helpful to her in a very specific way. But again, it's the same answer that we over-identify with the stuff that isn't true. You yeah. know, I mean, it's yeah. it's not true that we're unworthy of love. It's not true that we 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 have no right to our lives. It's not true. But we go around doing that, and we go around doing that to everybody else as well. They don't have the right to be here. They shouldn't have been born. She should, you know, whatever. Whatever we want to claim for another in denial of their right to be here only confirms that we're doing that in some strange way for ourselves. you know? Yeah. Uh, Years ago, I learned somebody had uh, told me about the idea that when we're children, we come up with this idea that daddy doesn't love me. Yeah. And But then we seek evidence to support that absolutely idea. yeah and so daddy uh will you look at the the drawing that i did on the refrigerator i will honey i, I don't have time right now mm-hmm. oh daddy doesn't love me daddy will you teach me how to ride my bike i not right now next week when i get back from this this trip yeah. daddy doesn't love me right and we do that interestingly that seems to come more natural to what i think most people um than us saying daddy loves me and us seeking evidence to support that yeah that well true? i think Is it's that possible true? that daddy didn't love the person you know <laughs> daddy may have been an, daddy may have been really a piece of work and a narcissist <laughs> and wasn't capable of it but what ends up happening is we end up constructing what the guides call a frame and they say the, a frame is like imagine it's the it's it's imagine it's the little hole in the door to the speakeasy where you look out into the world or the picture frame that you hold in front of you, and they say that the purpose of a frame is to contain or to confirm the belief system. So if my belief if my father didn't love me, my belief may be or didn't act as if he loved me, you know, in a personality level, my frame may be I am not worthy of love. And I hold that frame in front of me, and I continue to fill that frame with what I expect to be there, which is evidence that I am not worthy of love or I will not be loved. And then we get to be right about it. 
So imagine that somebody has a frame that says, I always date jerks. Every time they date another jerk, they get to pat themselves in the back and you say, you see, I'm right. Now, the true self, the guides would say, doesn't have that frame. It doesn't operate that way. That's a creation. And we're really responsible for our creations. It's an idea. It's an idea that we've confirmed. And that idea has been confirmed and has taken form. The evidence of it is all over the place. So I can, you know, somebody can say people are terrible. And that's their experience of being in the world. Somebody else can say, I love people. They have that experience. And I mean, those are easy examples of frames, but we do walk around with these things, I think, at the cost of our freedom, which is what the guides are now starting to talk about, our real freedom and what that really means. And that also means freedom outside of collective agreements about what it means to be here at all, you know, what it means to be a man, what it means to be a success, what it means to be anything, you know, and all of these ideas that we've inherited for so long that are keeping us from being who perhaps we truly are. You know, I, I have to wonder, you know, how much of that, I don't want to use the word we attract to us, the phrase mm-hmm. we attract, but how much of that we create, maybe even, because it just reminds me, I'm talking about a very small scale here, mm-hmm. like very personal basis, but, you know, you're in school, the teacher is going to call somebody you know, mm-hmm. and you don't know the answer, and you go, don't call me, don't call me, don't call me. Bob, <laughs> will you answer that question for me? It, I would have been better off just to just to not think about it at all. Mm-hmm. In reference to what you were just saying, you know, is it possible that when we're expecting things from life that the frame gets filled because we were expecting Absolutely, it? yeah. It's not just that we noticed it like when you get a new car, you notice that car is everywhere. No, no. The purpose of a frame is to the guides say that the, there's a gesture that you're you're that, that the guides do. They call it the mudra of creation. And I'll do it for you here in the studio, and I'll try to explain to your audience what I'm doing. My arms are in front of myself, and I'm sort of calling things to me. It's like the it's like the wheels of a I don't know. Um, it's like the wheels of a I don't what are those things in the dams, you know, in the yeah. wells. It's, it's you know just one after the other, like the dog paddle in reverse is what I'm doing, yeah, so yeah, that people right. can see this. Now the guides have said, you know, imagine that you're floating in an ocean and in that ocean everything exists that can ever exist what the mudra of creation is doing is calling to you what exists in that field now we can call on a highway which is i deserve a good life everybody deserves a good life if i say i'm the only one who deserves a good life that's a low claim i can claim that too but i would be claiming in low vibration so the frame is there, yes, but the idea that the frame is fulfill, is filling itself with what it expects to be there is the mudra of creation and action. Yep. So we're always calling to ourselves these experiences. But you see, the good news is that these are every experience is an opportunity to learn. And perhaps the experience is to show me that I don't have to keep doing this. Right. You know, that I have other choices that can be made. The idea that we're always dining out on yesterday's leftovers is the belief that I'm always going to do what I've done because that's all there that's all that can be done because who I am is inherently wrong or limited or my father didn't love me. Whatever it is. Yeah. What was the phrase you used? You changed it from 
uh, I am loved or whatever, or I'm the only one who, who. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I am worthy of love would be uh, would uh, everybody is worthy of love. Yep. Would be a high claim. I I am worthy of love would be a high claim or claim of truth because you are worthy. I am the only one who is worthy of love would be a claim of the small self. Why? Why is that lower? Why is that lower? Because you're deciding. You are. De you, let, me, let me ask. That's my impression. It's, I'm the only yeah. one. It's, 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 they're saying because it's a claim of separation and entitlement and entitlement in a fearful way. In a fearful way, you would only claim that you're the only one happy. You would only claim that you were the only one entitled to be happy, entitled to be happy if you were fearful. If you were fearful, why wouldn't you ask somebody else to be happy? Why wouldn't you want everybody else to be happy, to be happy, unless you were condemning them, unless you were condemning them or denying them happiness or denying them happiness? You would not do that unless you were afraid, period, period, period. That's them. That makes perfect sense. Okay. Now I feel stupid asking it. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know what they meant either. So I'm glad you clarified. No, 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 that was that was a great answer. And then I was just like, oh, of course. Uh, we had a few people who asked questions. You can just give us quick answers if sure. you want. Linda Hirsch asks, "What does it mean to just be?" Well, that's a really good question. I have no idea. I, mean, I don't know if this can be a short answer, but it may be for them to allow yourself to be as you are. To allow yourself to be as you are with you, without the expectations placed upon you. To be realized in ways you think you should is to allow yourself to be, is to allow yourself to be. In being, you may know. In being, you may know. And you know, you may act. When you know, you may act and may claim from that and may claim from that, period, period. Wow. There you go, Linda. That was a. I bet you weren't expecting to hear from the guys. Uh, Yvonne, she's having a difficult time stating the "I am here" statements, mm -hmm. and she's kind of wondering why. Any idea? Let me. Let me. I'm going to tune into Yvonne okay. and see if I can do it that way because it may be the higher well, way. I don't want to be here. Well, the interest. What I hear is I don't want to be here. That's the reason. I don't want to be here. So, so I don't want to claim it. What she thinks she's doing, and this is the personality self, is she. I, I feel that it's reinforcing what an aspect of her doesn't want. So here's a bad example. If I've gotten my needs met through being unhappy or I've over-identified with being unhappy, and I've done some of this in my life, the claim I am going to be happy or I am happy is contradictory to what I think I want. Yeah. Because I've gotten my needs met from the other. Right. Now, the answer here is that the small self is not who makes that claim. The claim, I am here, I am here, I am here, you're claiming or you're, it can only be said by the I am presence or the divine self. Okay. So if she says it with that understanding, she's actually giving permission. And there's an energetic component to this. When I do this in my workshops, people can say to their partner, if I pair people up, you are here, you are here, you are here. And they'll feel this blooming at the heart center and this heat that comes. And you can begin to feel that for yourself. The The energy of this is actually pretty significant when it's worked with. And I've done that at one of your workshops. Really, really powerful. Anne-Marie Tabacalom mm -hmm. wants to know when the next book can be expected. Well... If I'm to understand the guides correctly, they began dictating it last weekend, like three days ago or four days ago, whenever it was, and I'm still going. I thought I had another month before they were going to start. My assumption is I don't know when the publication date is. It's due to the publisher um, late fall, and I assume it'll come out about a year after that. So, But the guides are already calling it the Book of Freedom, So I, I and they're preparing the teachings now, and I guess they've begun delivering them. We'll, we'll find out as they continue. Steve Jarecki, I mentioned this to you earlier, and you have a, 
you have an answer that you've given to this question before? I think you should just give it again, if mm-hmm. you don't mind. Uh, he loves the teachings, but he has a trust issue with mm-hmm. who the information is coming from. What's, what's the answer you often give to that question? Well, I call them the guides because that's the term that I'm comfortable with. They gave a name in the fourth book when they say, if you want to call us something, you can call us Melchizedek. And I was uncomfortable, although that's the name I've been given before. And they've also said, you know, we are the Christ as a level of agreement or vibration, not as we are Jesus. They haven't said that ever. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I trust the teachings because I've been working with them, you know, since they began. But for, there's a couple of very important things to me as a channel. When I meet people that say that they want to be a channel, this is the advice that I give them. Um, first of all, don't listen to anything that's fear-based. And the guides are never teaching in fear. And they're never teaching us to be fearful of other people. And they're not saying we're going to be, we're being mind controlled by the this or the that. or the, That's just not their thing. It's not how they operate. Um, in fact, again, they teach that the action of fear is to claim more fear, and they encourage us not to align to that. The other reason that I trust them is that they are not teaching vanity. They're not appealing. I'm going to be honest. They're sure not appealing to my ego. I kind of wish they would some days, but you know, as I've said, this has never gotten me a date yet. You know, <laughs> and I'm still waiting for that too. But the idea, and I meet people occasionally who are opening up channeling and they're saying i have been told that i am the only one to bring forth this thing and i'm here to save the world or i'm channeling and my guides are saying that the man next door who hasn't talked to me for 20 years is still going to be my married partner and i go i don't know because if they're telling you about controlling other people what other people should do or they're condemning anybody or they're praising or appealing to ego i think that that's tricky stuff and I tend to stay away from that. I think it's a good warning signal. Yeah. You are the only one and, you know, this, this sort of single, because that, that's, a, that's an appeal to vanity. Now, my guides don't do that, but they teach in a very loving way. Mm-hmm. They're direct. They can be blunt. They can be blunt with me. But truthfully, I have to say that in all of the work that they've done, I have never seen them judge anybody for being who they are. And frankly, they haven't done it with me either. I think they've gotten impatient or what I perceive of as impatient at times with me and my resistance to the teaching. So, but you know, I'm going to say this to, to the guy who asked the question, you know, use your own assessment here. You know, I'm, first of all, I always say, you know, I'm not a spiritual teacher and I'm not a guru and the guides are teachers and they don't want your authority either. They're the first ones to say, we don't want your authority we want you to be in your own. Right. Anybody that's asking for your authority is looking to get something from you, and I think that that's different, and I think that that would be true if it was coming from something that was claiming to be of a higher source as well as somebody sitting before you in a caftan and a turban. I appreciate that answer because, I, you know, a lot of people say the same thing to me. I mean, they ask me the same thing. How do we know, Yeah, you know, the near-death experience? People aren't being deceived, you know, by some evil spirit or... Mm-hmm. How do we know the mediums aren't being deceived? How do we, you know, and that's always been my message too. That mm-hmm. The messages that come through yeah. are really what you want to look at. That's exactly. The litmus test. Perfect answer. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. The Book of Truth by Paul Selig. It's out now. It came out in June, right? Mm-hmm. Lots of great reviews on Amazon. 
the audiobook is out and I imagine getting on Kindle. Yep. But the other thing, I just want to talk about the workshops because you mm -hmm. you offer a, a, a variety of things. So mm -hmm. first of all, there's the live workshops. One of the things that I attended, mm -hmm. I talked about this in another episode. I'll link to it so people can listen to it. My experience at one of your workshops. Oh, wonderful. They want to know what that's like. But the live workshops all around the country, right? Mm -hmm. They can find out about those uh, at paulselig.com. Correct. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, first of all, I recommend everybody sign up for your newsletter. You go to paulselig.com, sign, mm -hmm. sign up for your newsletter, because the things that come through there offer a variety of ways to learn more about this information. Yes. So one, buy the book. Two, you talk about these live streams. Mm -hmm. Now, the live streams are every Wednesday night? Pretty much every Wednesday. We take a week off every, you know, five, four, five, six weeks. But, yeah, they're consistent. And, and how long do these last? They're an hour and 15 minutes yep. each teaching. We go from 8 to 9.15 Eastern time, but we actually send people the recordings within 48 hours afterwards if for some reason they can't make it live. Oh, wow. And the guides are teaching every week. They're, they're, they're bringing something new through, and they're taking everybody's questions either on the teachings, on the work, or on people's personal lives and personal issues. So it's become um, a big a forum and a meeting place for people who are doing this work and working with the techs or just curious from around the world. To me, what a gift to be able to do that, be able to do it from your own home or mm -hmm. office or wherever. And there's interaction as well. Oh yeah, yeah. They're taking this. Yeah, we take questions. I mean, usually the last half hour of every session, sometimes more, is Q and A. So there's there's real availability there. Really can't beat that. Now you have I don't know what you call it, a subscription. Uh -huh. uh, so people, uh, there's two versions of that, right? And I, yeah. I think this is really important. I think people are going to like this. Uh, the first version is what. First version is the archives, and what we've done, I mean, actually, there's three versions. One is sign up for free to this thing. I, I think it's called the Student Lounge, and you'll get whatever is going up on YouTube and whatever is going out free in the newsletter. We'll just send you what's available. If you sign up for the archives, and I don't know the prices of these things, it's not that expensive, yeah. you actually have access to a library of channelings past live streams, the videotapes. We videotape every workshop, so there's usually... I think about four or five lectures a month that go up into the archives oh from different workshops and transcripts as well, I feel, I think are available there as well for people that don't want to hear the whispering and repeating. Yeah. So that's the archive. And then there's the lab, which has the archives as well as the subscription to the Wednesday live stream series included. So if you want to be a student and you want to just check out the live streams for a period of time or you want to stay indefinitely because the guides don't seem to be at any loss for things to teach, I'm a little tired, but they're still going <laughs> fine. The lab is there and that, yeah. that costs a bit more because it includes the weekly sessions with me and the guides. Uh, and you talked about the great change live stream that you were... You were that's just, up on YouTube for free. That's up there. Yeah, that should be up on my site for free someplace. You can YouTube it. Um, but there's a lot of there's a lot of videotape of me channeling, some of it going back to I think 2009, 2010. Um, and you can see me heavy, you can see me skinny, you can see me. I think I have a beard the whole time <laughs> and all of these things. But you can also see how the work and the process transforms because as I continue to do this um, and I, this collaboration continues, 
um, it's quite quite remarkable to see how things emerge. You have other favorites. You know, you mentioned the Great Change. Yeah, there's yeah. a few that I do. There's a there's a channeling that they gave, and this is again up online free. There's a couple of them that I really love, but there's one called How to Deal with an Atrocity. I was channeling in Calgary, Alberta, and I woke up Sunday morning and I had a second day of a workshop, a weekend workshop beginning at 10 a.m., and I turned on the computer and the shootings at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando had happened the night before. And I knew that the guides would have to address something, and they actually gave a whole lecture on it immediately that morning. Um, not, the, not the event itself, but yeah. dealing with anything that is confounding to our sense of how can there be a divine presence in the world. Um, it was a strong teaching. So I think there's a number of them. There's another one that's up there, and I don't remember the title of it, so I can't share it from a workshop in Portland, Oregon a few months ago that was just so simple. It was on peace, okay. on peace. So those are three three great. nice introductions. Yeah, I think it's great. Just fun to, you know, sometimes people are like, you know, you look at a big menu and you're like, I don't know what to yeah. choose. Um, it, it helps in that way. Anything that you wanted to cover that we didn't cover, maybe we missed? No, no. I don't. Thank you. Uh, this is such a pleasure to me. And, and I know so many audience members found out about you years ago, have been following you, and are just over the top about what they have learned from you. I hear from them all the time. Oh. And, of course, you you know, know many of them personally now. I'm thrilled to be a part of that. And, and I'm thrilled that I, too, was at a place in my life where I was looking for what's new. And I opened my mind to channeling where I was kind of closed to it mm -hmm. before. And it really, uh, I know it's changed my life. So thank you for that. Thank you for the work that you do and the sacrifices you made to do them. Uh, thank you, Bob. Thank you for doing this with me. I'm, I'm very grateful. All right. Go to Amazon. Check out the Book of Truth. I want to thank our sponsor, Best Psychic Directory, as always. Over 900 psychics and mediums listed there. You can read reviews. You can find them by specialty or location. Until next week, enjoy every day. All right. Bye-bye.